0: Hey guys, welcome to our podcast, The Conscious Kitchen. Hi, I'm Liz, a 21st century hippie who hugs my laptop as much as I hug trees. As a vegan for almost 10 years, I've been a leader in the animal rights movement. My obsession with all things eco-friendly sparked my career as a marketing consultant where I connect sustainable brands with conscious consumers. Laura and I are great friends with a passion to uplift our generation. From cooking for celebrities to creating less waste or tips on mental health, Conscious Kitchen is your how-to guide for living with integrity in this wild, wild world. What's up guys? I'm Laura, a modern-day renaissance woman. For the past 12 years, I was a co-founder
1: of the Wear brand piece, but now I'm living in Madrid, Spain. Experimenting curiously within the realm of food, wellness, and travel. I'm also helping people find their true potential through life coaching and mentorship. Liz and I magically met in LA and became the best of friends and roommates. We loved to cook and had consciously rich discussions in our kitchen. There was a vibe, a warmth, and magic that happened there. Conscious Kitchen is an extension of our heart-to-heart talks of comfort and connection. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to The Conscious Kitchen Season 2. And we are so excited to have, yeah, what's up? Welcome back. Um, It is February and we are just back in business and excited to give you guys brand new episodes of our podcast. And today we are so excited to have back Alyssa Marie Wellness. She's back in the house. Hey. Hi, everybody. She is back. Um, If you don't know who she is, it's our great friend. Um, She's a licensed clinical social worker based in L.A., So, Sherman Oaks. And you guys can follow her socials um, at the link below on this episode. But we're having her here. We're having her here today to talk about um, codependency with relationships and toxic relationships and just all around relationships. Since we're talking about love this week, since it's Valentine's this week, right? Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. It's February, you know? So, we're excited to have Leah back because. She was on the first episode, so it's unplanned, but really a great thing to have her
2: back for season two. I'm really glad to be back, and I'm really glad to talk about such an important topic because a lot of people always have questions about their relationship. Is this healthy? Is this normal? So I think this is a really good topic for us to talk about, especially for Valentine's Day.
0: Yes, <laughs> perfect timing for that. You know, it's it's so important to really invest in, in your loving relationships for yourself, for the other person, for the partner. So it's a great conversation to have. So let's just jump right into it. So Leah, tell us, Leah or Alyssa?
2: Let's go by Leah. let's do Leah today (laughs) okay so Leah tell us
0: tell us a little bit about yourself like what
2: what you've been up to you're so you're a licensed psychotherapist so I'm a licensed psychotherapist and I am in private practice in Sherman Oaks and I specialize in seeing teens and adults who experience depression anxiety or PTSD and I do a lot of inner child work and EMDR what's EMDR EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a somatic type of therapy. It's not a talk therapy, but it uses your eye movements to process any kind of traumatic experience that you've had in your life.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's uh, a good question. I would love to try the e- EDMR, right? Or EDMR? E EMDR. EMDR. EDM or, is a type of music. Yeah, I <laughs> I definitely, when I met with a therapist, he mentioned that I should try that because I do have some trauma from my childhood. Um, That's something I definitely would love to be curious and try some therapy with that. So I heard there's a lot of great results.
2: Yeah, it definitely is helpful for people who have difficulties accessing the memories that are associated with their um trauma or people who are having difficulties accessing the feelings that are associated with their trauma so it it is really helpful because sometimes talk therapy can only get you so far
0: right yeah exactly yeah it's so interesting i hadn't heard of that Mm -hmm. so do a lot of a lot of your clients seek information on on love and relationships and those kind of things is that
2: something that's common that you see that people look for in therapy yeah, it is actually very common. Sometimes I'll see people who are coming to therapy for different reasons, and then we end up kind of tracing it back to their um, love lives. You know, it, it really depends. Some people come because they're struggling in their relationships, and some people um, I've seen, they, they come because they're suffering from insomnia, headaches, chest pains, things like that. And then we can kind of trace back that like a lot of these p- symptoms are symptomatic, and they're stemming from, you know, being in a dysfunctional relationship. Yeah. So, so it, it's us- very common. What, tell us, what
0: does a loving relationship look
2: like? Loving,
0: healthy, and all around good relationship. What does it look like? Is there signs that like
2: you could say, oh, it looks like this or it feels like this? Yeah, so a loving relationship absolutely requires more than just loving each other because you can love each other, but it does, doesn't necessarily mean that you're good to each other. In a loving relationship, you see two people or more um, who can depend on each other, can communicate with each other, can hold space for each other, are able to apologize to each other when one person makes a mistake. It is um, people who are able to just really communicate um, kindly with one another while at the same time um, being able to express themselves without feeling scared or f- like feeling like they're walking on eggshells. It's, it's really, a, it's, it's a sense of safety. It's a sense of safety um, that characterizes like what a healthy relationship is. I love that. Like, do you feel safe? Does this person make you feel safe? I mean,
1: for like a, like relationships in like a heterosexual relationship, like with the male and female, they've done studies where, you know, men men oftentimes want more power and women want more safety. Mm. So that's really interesting. That's so interesting. I hadn't <laughs> heard of that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that... Um, I see. I see that, like, with time, as you were saying, with as far as like s- feeling safety as like a female, as a woman in a relationship, do you think that changes over time? Like, you know, there's like a dating period, and then there's like that after the six month period of da-
2: of being together. Do you think it changes? What do you mean? Do I think like what changes? Um, like can the feel. Can like, you ask that again. Yeah,
1: Sorry. like feeling like um, the difference between like being in a relationship and then feeling safe. Like, do you think women always just want that up op- right off the bat?
2: I think everybody wants that right off the bat, regardless of um, gender, right? Yeah, because you're Uh, looking
0: for, yeah, when you're looking for, I mean, in any relationship, whether it's a friend or anything that you're trying to develop, it's like you're looking for that safety, that safety that I can tell this person anything without feeling judged or I can tell this person anything and they're not going to go tell someone or just all those different
2: types of feelings of safety. And and more importantly, I can tell this person how I feel and they're not going to leave. Right. They're not going to abandon me. They're not going to break up with me. They're not gonna. They're not gonna um, see my vulnerabilities or my perceived flaws, and they're not gonna go somewhere else. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's hard, you know. And I, I feel like I wonder. I wonder if if we did like a study on people fifty years ago yeah. and people now, like how how that feeling has 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 grown in a trend. That feeling of mm-hmm. like oh, feeling like they're are they going to choose like someone else? Are they going to like leave me? I wonder if that was. Also, a feeling that people used to have back in the day when there weren't as many options per se, mm. but you know, now access, access now we have dating apps, yeah. yes, access to options, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, because right. that is something that's so common now. You know, it's like, oh, just having that feeling of, oh, they're gonna go with somebody else or not feeling adequate or those types of things, yeah, right,
1: yeah. I think like you know, I'm 33 now and like being in a relationship, like. And finally feeling like being in a healthy relationship, it's definitely really nice. And I do feel comfortable and safe more than anything. That's like the the thing I value for sure. You know, being safe and feeling secure with my partner and being able to express even the wackiest, craziest shit I do and feeling it's okay. You know, like the judgment is like held back, (laughs) which is nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what advice do you usually give your clients when they're seeking information on how do I how do I become a better advocate for myself within a relationship?
2: So one of the things that I help my clients with when they're trying to learn how to be an advocate for themselves is I help them identify what they want and what they need, what they're looking for. Because you can't necessarily advocate for yourself if you don't know what it is that you want. And once I help them or or they can identify what it is that they want, we kind of come up with ways how to say those things clearly and concisely without apologizing for it. Because something that I do notice is that when people ask for what they want in the relationship, it's followed with kind of like a but, or I'm sorry, do you mind, you know? Right. So it's teaching them not to add any, not to add any of those kind of fillers. And then w- one thing that I've noticed is when people advocate for what they want, um, or one of the things that stops people from advocating for what they want is they're worried about how their partners are going to respond. Mm-hmm. And so when I give them, you know. Kind of feedback on advocating for themselves, I also partner that with, how are you going to cope with the discomfort if they don't respond the way you would like them to? Because at the end of the day, you're not advocating for yourself to get a certain outcome from them. You're, you're really not. You're advocating for yourself because you are honoring your needs and you're honoring your boundaries. And you're kind of, with advocating for yourself, you're saying like, I, I deserve to have these things, these needs met, these boundaries heard.
0: Yes, great points. Every everything is always worth discussing, right? Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. is there anything? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that is? No feeling is invalid, right? Everything. None. Everything can be talked about. Yes. And, yeah. I yeah. do think so.
1: But how do you? How is it? Isn't it hard to feel like you can advocate for yourself, but also, not having so many expectations with your partner? You know, I feel like when you have so many expectations, you get so you get so sad and and sometimes disappointed.
2: I think it depends on what those expectations are. Mm-hmm. I think that um, if those expect, I, I do think it's important to have expectations and to have kind of like values and standards of what it is that you want. Because the flip side of that would be to have no expectations at all. Yeah. Right. And and that would be to prevent you from feeling any kind of disappointment. Um. I think I think it's I think it's completely okay to have things that you expect from your partner, but also to not punish the relationship mm-hmm. when those expectations are not met.
1: Right. Yeah, those punishments and resentment can just have a long, long, like, feeling with you and can just sit there for so long, right? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it depends. It depends on what those expectations are, right? If you expect your partner to make you dinner every night, when you get home, that's different from expecting your partner to treat you with love and respect or expecting your partner to communicate to you when they're upset with you. Yeah. Like, so it really just depends on the type of expectations that you have. Got it. It's, It's important that the expectations are reasonable.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Can two people be toxic for each other? Can a toxic relationship be healed? Like, what do you tell, how do you tell
2: your clients to move forward when you can pinpoint that 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 they are in a toxic relationship? Two people can absolutely be in a toxic relationship with each other. And I do believe that um, a toxic relationship can be healed. To think that a toxic relationship cannot be healed, that's assuming that people cannot change and people absolutely can change. I do want to add that there are some disclaimers to this. If you are in a relationship with somebody who is narcissistic or sociopathic, no amount of of help will change the toxicity of the relationship. So I really wow. just want to add that disclaimer. Wow. But if there are two people who happen to be projecting their own childhood wounds and what they've learned growing up onto each other and there is that capacity for change and those two people are absolutely willing to work on themselves separately and work on themselves as a couple, yeah. then it is absolutely possible to see change happen in the relationship. And I, do, and I do believe and have seen people to heal in the context of their human relationship Relationships too, right. Um, if clients if clients are coming and they're in toxic relationships, or unhealthy relationships, or in any kind of dysfunctional dynamic, I really shift the focus on the individual person. And I help them also identify. You know, where did they learn to tolerate this kind of treatment? Where did they learn to tolerate this kind of behavior? Is this something that they witnessed growing up? So I I do help them guide their own inner work and then i also do recommend couples counseling and through couples counseling there's kind of like a mutual healing
1: oh, okay you know
2: like a mutual childhood healing amongst both partners that that can happen
1: so so basically individual healing and then and then and then couples healing after yeah. Okay. Yeah, or
2: or you. concurrently, it can happen concurrently too. Okay. Well, I mean, But definitely go
0: definitely definitely see a therapist like on your own first, you yeah. think, or could they just skip that part and just jump into like a couples therapy? I think they should see mm-hmm. an individual therapist Individually yeah. first. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that like personally I was in a very long pers- like toxic relationship for like 2 years. Um and I feel like we did try to do therapy, like couples therapy, um for a few sessions and I feel like I kept trying to push my partner to like keep going to therapy and then they just didn't want to Mm -hmm. continue so I felt like over time I kind of just got so frustrated and kind of just had to walk away but I really did try you know and I feel like that trying to to heal the the relationship it felt like it was hitting so many different walls you know and
2: Yeah, it was hitting so many walls. And I feel like why do you think so many people avoid therapy? Well, first of all, I I can understand it hitting walls, because in order for um, therapy for couples to be successful, both people have to be motivated to go to therapy,
1: right? And they have to be
2: motivated for the relationship. Mm. It's, it's not as effective, and it can work, but it's not as effective if if one person is just doing it for you. Yeah, you know, they have to want to do it for the relationship. It's not just like, okay, well, you want me to so I'll go. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think oftentimes a lot of people avoid going to therapy when it has to do with a relationship because there's a lot of, first of all, there's a stigma around going to couples therapy, right? It's like, what does that mean if you go to couples therapy? What will it look like to other people if you have to say that you're in couples therapy? Right. And there's also like this... um This this belief that if you're in couples therapy, that means your relationship is failing. Mm -hmm. Right. But but on the flip side, I've actually also seen couples who go to couples therapy just and they're they're functioning really well. They just want to enhance what they already have in the relationship. Yeah. So I've seen I've seen, you know, all ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Because sometimes, you know, everything can be going well. But in an an effort for it to remain going well, it's like it just good to speak with someone in addition to, you know, Mm -hmm. your own private conversations.
2: Mm hmm. Absolutely. Because you have to remember this, before you met each other, you were two separate people with two separate lives and two separate childhoods. And if you're not aware of the past wounds that you have from your previous relationships or from your childhood, if you're not actively working on those things, what does happen is you do end up projecting those experiences onto your partner. Right? So. And and those experiences can be projected in the smallest ways or in the biggest ways. Yeah. But going to see a couple's counselor can really help you guys be aware of those experiences, so that you're not re-injuring each other. Right. Oftentimes, a relationship can become mm-hmm. a relationship can get really, really unhealthy when there's so much, um, like there's there's so much offending one another, and there's no repair. It's like you guys keep re-traumatizing each other over and over again.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: How does how does a couple how does a couple get ready to go to therapy. Is there any like pre-steps that are that are are good tips to give them? I think, you know, for well, first of all, you definitely want both people to be consenting to go to therapy and you definitely want both people to have an idea of like what is it that we want to get out of this? Like what are our goals that we would like to get out of couples therapy, whether it's just we want to communicate more or our sex life has really decreased, we want to figure out how to connect with each other physically again. Um so it's good for the couple to be able to identify together or with the couples therapist like what is it that we're hoping to achieve from coming here mm-hmm. and then even if you guys um if the couples can even write down too like what are some of the problems that they've had um that they'd like to process or addressing couples there because sometimes what happens if the problem's already passed couples will come in and they'll say like oh nothing happened this week and then there's nothing to talk about when in reality there's plenty to talk about right yeah. there's like there's past traumas that they already have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: that they could talk about for sure yeah so, so for- those are so those are good tips
1: yes so for like Going back to the to the, the therapy, couples therapy, um, I feel like, you know, maybe with, like, for example, like a man and a woman and, like, the guy isn't ready, right? The woman's like, okay, let's do therapy, but the guy isn't ready. I mean, do you think it has a lot to do with also, like, people have different timing on when they can be reactive to doing it? Like, some people, like, the other person in the relationship cannot be almost ready for it, you know? When is the perfect time to, like, walk away then if they're not ready to do therapy? Like, timing isn't right.
2: If the timing isn't right to do therapy, so let's say if one person isn't ready to do therapy. Right. Um, You know, it's really contingent on person to person. I don't think that therapy is the end all be all in Mm -hmm. seeing a relationship last. I think if that person's not ready to go to therapy, but they're still doing their own work on the side, maybe they're reading self-help books, maybe they're listening to audio books that are helping them learn how to manage the anger, heal their childhood. I think that's okay. Um, But you really want to assess, like, when is it time to walk away? Uh, You know, that's a really hard one because it, it does it it does depend on couple to couple obviously i think if your physical safety is frequently in danger it is time to walk away yeah um if yeah. this if this is a relationship you you know one thing that i recommend that people do is they write down what are their needs Mm-hmm. What are their needs in the relationship and what are their values in life? And then to for them to assess how many of those needs are being met and how many of those values are being met. And what efforts is their partner making in, in meeting those needs? Yeah. And I think it's also important to just not place it on one person, but for the partner to do that too, to make that same list. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I think it's so important for them to share it with each other.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's so important. Needs and values. Like, I mean, that's mm-hmm. so high up there on on like the human the human like what we really need to connect, you know? Mhm.
2: Mhm. Yeah. And I think oftentimes in dysfunctional relationships, people will will um they'll rationalize not having their needs met in order to stay in the relationship, right? Yeah. Like let's so let's say like they have this human need for wanting to feel safe you know in their relationship wanting to communicate and let's say their partner doesn't do that let's say their partner's always so angry that a person might rationalize well they've had a hard life so it's okay Mm. so when a person's needs aren't being when a person's needs aren't being met you will see that in an unhealthy relationship they'll kind of rationalize it in order and and it's a survival mechanism in order to help them stay in the relationship so
0: many of us do that i'm sure (laughs) yeah I was gonna say, maybe that can lead us into like our next point, which is like codependency because, you know, I think they're trying to stay in those relationships because
2: possibly there is a codependency happening there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So for people who don't know, codependency is when there is a a true lack of boundaries in the relationship it's it's like a i'm trying to fix you and that one person's trying to fix the other person and another person's expecting the other person to rescue them um it's basically like i don't feel good unless you feel good Mm -hmm. so there's kind of like this um like heavy heavy reliance on each other and there's not a lot of separation of individuality and in codependent relationships you'll often find like a lot of enmeshment and a lot of um people in codependent relationships like there's a lot of control it's a lot of control and power mm-hmm. and 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 the power isn't always intentional like i'm trying to empower you mm-hmm. the the power is usually because the other person just doesn't know who they are outside of the relationship can
1: people can be can people be in codependent relationships in like work relationships In work relationships
2: yeah like work partnerships that's a good question my answer is i don't know
0: mm-hmm.
2: actually yeah yeah, no, people can be. Because codependency doesn't just exist in romantic relationships. You can be codependent with your friends too. Even with your own mom with like with
0: your parents. Yeah, you can be code. yeah,
2: you can be really codependent with anyone. That's not limited to romantic relationships. You know, something that I've seen, like let's say friendships. Um, like imagine if I don't I call you and you don't call me back till the next day and then I get upset with you and I feel like you're not a good friend and you don't care about me yeah. and things like that, right? That's like a sign of a codependent friendship. And then let's say you, that really upset you. So then moving forward, you answer all my phone calls from now on because you don't want me to feel that way again. That would be a sign of a codependent relationship and a friendship. Mm-hmm. So yeah, oftentimes when we talk about codependency, we talk about it in the context of romantic relationships, but they can really exist with any kind of system.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So is, it, is, is, is this particular feeling considered codependent? So I'm going to say, let's yeah. say... You are like with all your friends, but you tend to be someone that oh, well, if your if your friend
2: doesn't feel happy, then you don't really feel like that happy. That is not exactly codependent, but I I do understand where you're coming from. Like, um, it w- it would turn into codependency is then if you change all of your behaviors to try to get them to be happy, to please them exactly, and then and then let and then that kind of rules you, and it's like I can't be happy until they're happy. That's where it becomes, turns into the um, murky waters that's of codependency. Because it really... it's actually, it's, you know, it's, it's very normal if a friend isn't happy and then you're not happy, you know, that's empathy, right? When your friend's going through a hard time, it's like, oh, you know, it kind of brings you down too and yeah. you to care about them. So that's yeah. more like
0: empathy than it yeah. is like, oh, feeling like yeah. codependent.
2: Yeah, codependent is I can't move forward until you're better. Right. I can't function until you're yeah. better.
0: And so there is a place to get yourself out of being codependent. It's just building, building out your own self
2: esteem yeah. is it yeah there are multiple ways um, in order to kind of leave the pattern of codependency so one of it is building your own self esteem finding out who you are outside of your friendship finding out who you are outside of your relationships and also um it's it's learning your attachment style right because oftentimes codependency comes from childhood mm-hmm. it comes from childhood it comes from um it comes from very innate unmet needs so it's healing those earlier childhood wounds and learning that you are valuable just as you are without having to attach onto another person to get those needs met it's helping you learn how to meet your own needs yeah because in because code, in codependency it they it's it's really two people or one person trying to get all of their needs met through one other person mm-hmm. that's so interesting and that's not possible so not healthy
1: i see how i see how you talk about like it really stems from your childhood i, I had a hypnotherapy session about why when about my when I meet people or, or, you know, guys that I've been, I've met in my life and I'm like, why do I have this crazy infatuation where I get obsessed, like this weird obsession over Mm. them so quickly. And through my hypnotherapy session, they were mentioning that like there was a boy when I was a child and he like, we, he kissed me. It was like my first kiss. And I think I was like probably seven years old. And then he abruptly left. And I, and then I always, and I kind of felt like, oh my God, I needed more. I want more. I want more. He's not giving me enough. And I feel, and like through my hypnotherapist said that it actually, it's affecting me in my adulthood because even if a, a guy kind of gives me like a slight, like attention, it leaves me and he doesn't give, give me any more attention ahead of that. I always, I always want more. I always need more. I get I have this obsession, this weird fantasy. I create fantasies too
2: mm-hmm so there's act- that
1: that thought came up when you were in in, in like under yeah is that, yeah my is that how it happens? yeah and so it kind of it kind of i had that reflection about when it was when i was a child and i had my first kiss and that happened and so i feel like all of yeah. these things like have 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 affected me in my adulthood you know wanting these cre- mm. like these kind of obsessions and attachments to men to, to get to men and it's really unhealthy and it's actually helped wow. me help me in the future like now present day to like heal from these situations right yeah,
2: and oh, that, that actually just kind of based on that that based on that sim, but that kind of just sounds like a lot of anxiety, like relationship anxiety, and in yeah. combination with like, fa- it's a, there's another word for it too. It's called a fantasy bond.
1: Wow, fantasy bond. Yeah, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so
2: ladies, so if you ever bonds, get if you um, ever get
1: this because you match with like the, your dream guy and you spoke for this guy, spoke to this guy for like six hours on like Bumble or Tinder, and then you start making fantasies, maybe this is maybe Leah has the answer to it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they those yeah. yeah
0: i think everyone has had those for sure yeah. like yes.
2: the fantasy bond so almost like you know um okay i'll continue i'll, I'll, I'll loop back to this yeah, yeah. no but, but, that, but that's basically it it's like um you know you said you meet guys and then you all of a sudden have like these obsessions about them and then you really want it to work and all of these things a fantasy bond is is when you've really created a story about who that person is and then let's say you are still with let's say it does work out and you are with them yeah. and it is not what you thought it was going to be exactly. you still stay with them based on a fantasy of what they can be, oh, what their potential is, what it would yes. look like, yes. things like that.
0: Yeah, that was my it's whole a fantasy last relationship
2: bond. for sure. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. It's a fantasy. Of, like this is what he, this is what he can be, or she can be, or they can be.
0: Yeah. It's it's a fantasy
2: bond, and yeah, it's you're just literally of fan- you literally stay with yeah. them because it's like, oh, I know they can, who they can be.
0: I know yeah, if their I potential. Can help, I know yeah. their potential. Yeah,
2: and that potential also is supported by probably things that they tell you too, right? That just never come to fruition. Like I promise we're gonna go on these vacations, or I promise this is gonna happen, right? You know, and then and they just never ever happen so how does one how does one help break the cycle of fantasy bond it's really important that you are able to identify what it is and it's you know it's also important that you're able to be honest with yourself it goes back to identifying what your needs are in the relationship and this radical honesty are my needs being met
0: Mm -hmm.
2: are my needs being met have my needs been met yeah because oftentimes you'll find in a fantasy bond that your needs were never met or if they were met it was in the very beginning and they were 100% not met again after that. Right, right. Well,
1: so radical honesty. So you're, you're more
2: attracted to...
1: Radical yeah. honesty, guys. That's a hard question to ask yourself. Are my needs being met? Yeah, I mean, I've,
0: are my needs... Mm-hmm. I feel like you have to ask yourself that with everything in life, right? With your work, with the, like every single relationship, with, with all the different Friendships
2: things. even, yeah. yeah. Dude, that's Absolutely. the hardest thing.
0: That's the hardest thing to do and stop because
1: majority of the time, we're just like scrolling or just numbing ourselves. So... Always have to remind yourself, check in, check in with yourself.
2: hmm Yep. You even want to ask yourself, too, am I meeting my own needs or am I neglecting myself? hmm Okay, Leah,
1: can you tell us a little bit why do you think people cheat in romantic relationships or
2: seek external distractions? Sure. And, you know, there are a lot of different theories towards this. But, you know, something that I've seen and something that I've studied is that oftentimes people cheat because they're looking for parts of themselves that they lost while they were in their relationship. So the person who is being cheated on, you know, there's this really common misconception that they're the ones to blame. They they did something wrong or they weren't pleasing their partner enough or they weren't doing enough for their partner. Um, that That's, you know, oftentimes very untrue. What, what hap- Because before the partner cheats, there are so many steps they could have taken before they cheated, right? right. They could have communicated my needs aren't being met or they could have communicated I, I'd really like to go on more dates or, you know, I'd like to be intimate more. Yeah. But oftentimes when a person cheats, it, it really is because they're looking for parts of themselves that they lost in a relationship. So if somebody's cheating, right, and they're cheating with somebody because that person makes them feel young again or it makes them like they're having fun again, mm-hmm. things like that. It, it You know, sometimes what we see is they're not experiencing that funness and that youthfulness in their relationship anymore. Yeah. So it's it's really because they're they're going back to find something again.
1: Yeah. Or even like a sexual – Drive that they lost, you know. Yeah, I mean, people cheat with even just having like a one night stand. So yeah. All
2: right, mm-hmm. thank you, babe. That was a great. It's, answer. Ne- it's never.
0: But it's never personal, right? It's never it's personal. always like about thank the other person. Thank you for saying that. Yeah.
2: yeah. Thank you for saying it's never personal. It's never a reflection for the person who's getting cheated on. It is never a reflection of you. Exactly, because yeah, I think that
0: that's one of the most common feelings to get past. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh my god, I got cheated on. It's yeah. like it's me, and it's like, how do you yeah. get past that? Because it's really it can be really super self, yeah, self um, sabotage. Yeah. Just it, even it going is. down that way,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, getting cheated on is a traumatic experience, right? You you lose that feeling of like um, being special, mm. right? Because when you're in a relationship, yeah. there's this there's this um, experience of just being so special to that one person. When you're cheated on, that, that whole that whole experience goes away. It, it's a really huge betrayal. Yeah, and and you know sometimes it's it's easier to blame ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we our brains always are trying to make sense of things that don't make any sense, and it's sometimes it's just easier to blame ourselves. But that's not that's not always accurate.
1: Right. Thank you, babe. That was an amazing answer. <laughs> um, okay, so after you might get cheated on for example um, how long is nor- is a how long is a normal duration of breaking up when a toxic relationship
2: okay so you know i've heard so many wives tales like for every year you were together it's, it takes one month to get over none of that is true um <laughs> <laughs> there really is no time. There, there really is no time frame or timeline that anybody can pinpoint how long it will take to get over someone. So there is no like one month or one year. Um, all of that really depends on your own internal coping skills, the support system that you have outside of the relationship, um, your your belief in in things being able to heal, and also just your own self esteem. Right? If you have a lot of those things in place and you have a supportive network and a supportive group of friends, family, you've got coping skills to be able to manage distress, you've got a job, you've got hobbies, you take care of like all of those things, you um, oftentimes you will find that the healing process can happen, um, not smoothly, but but a little, a little faster than if you didn't have any of those things in place so if you had no support system if you kind of just stayed home all day and you didn't do anything then it is a lot easier to ruminate over the loss and separation yes no but i do want to let people know you know i think oftentimes we are so focused on getting over the breakup and getting through it and healing and moving on um because people are uncomfortable with seeing other people be sad over breakups people are uncomfortable with other people's pain but i think it's important to take as much time as you need there is no shame in the length of time that it takes you to get over somebody. Yeah. Because as human beings, we are primitively wired for human connection and when a breakup happens, it, it, for a lot of people, it really can feel like a death, and that's okay. Yeah, I mean, it is. is. It yeah, yeah it you really go from is. like seeing that loss. person
0: every day. It's your
2: routine. You know, you're yeah. used to seeing that person on your phone. You're used to coming home to that person. So I think so. So um, and, I th- and yeah, I th- it's really take as much time as you need. And I think it
1: matters how bad the toxicity was, and also how bad the breakup mm-hmm. was. You know, was it a four month breakup? Was it a two-year, two year two two year breakup? I think it all it all it all happens, but It all matters, but I definitely think you're right about the support system, how you're taking care of yourself, all these things. You know, that's all. it's all big factors.
2: Mm -hmm. And if you are leaving a toxic relationship, one of the things that is really important to help heal is to be able to tell your story to people that you really trust. Mm -hmm. Because the more people you can tell, like, okay, these are the things that happened, the more it can get kind of ingrained in your mind, okay, these are things that I had to go through that were not normal. Because when people leave toxic relationships and they don't talk about it, with anybody it's it, it can become really easy to then only fantasize about the good times to then kind of fantasize about the fantasy bond right. but when you're sharing your story you're also kind of remembering and reminding yourself this is why i left and then you also have people to hold you accountable too. Yes. you know when you want to reach out to that person so sharing your story is very healing
0: and so from the other side as a friend who's listening to their friend who may have just gotten gone through a breakup how can we be supportive of them
2: I think it's just really important to remain non-judgmental and to be patient and to not minimize their pain, right? To not And by minimizing, you know, sometimes what I see is people minimize pain by saying, well, it was bad, or now you can move on, or now you can be in something healthy. It's like people don't really need to hear that. Yeah, it's so dismissive. It's, it feels
0: really like, mm-hmm. oh, are you even
2: listening? Oh, yeah, I... it's like this toxic positivity, right? Okay. So it, just just being able to be supportive and being able to validate what is valid. Like, I know it's hard to leave somebody, and I know there were good times. and. Things like that. So just being very, very um, empathetic or sympathetic and just validating of what that person is feeling. Because it's never easy to it's never easy to change something that was such a big part of your life, regardless of how bad it was. Mm -hmm. How
1: do I how do I keep a distance or keep a boundary for that?
2: So I'm really glad you mentioned that because that is actually very common where it's like, okay, my friend is in this bad relationship and I just keep giving advice and nothing changes and this is like almost all we talk about now. Yeah. Or you know Um, too much. And then I think... uh, You know, you you just know too much bad shit. Yeah. 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 And then then they bring that partner around and you're just like, oh, do I have to pretend to like them now? You know, like little things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then it kind of
1: just puts a strain on the relationship. Dude, honestly, Mm -hmm. like, I mean for example a girlfriend of mine we've been friends for years the only time we've ever argued was mm-hmm. betwe- about, about her, her about her relationship and other <laughs> than that we've never really yeah. fought so it was very jeopard- yeah. jeopardizing and it hurt because it's like your sister yeah. family member you know blood relative or whatever you know mm-hmm. so how do we not get so intertwi- intertwined and i think we learn more as we get older but how do we not get so intertwined in the weave of toxicity
2: Oh, that's such a good question. So first of all, um, I think it's it's really important to be able to recognize too, like, I don't like the way this feels. And and it's okay to be honest with your friends and to say, you know, if, if this is all you guys talk about, like, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but a- as friends, this is all that we talk about now. Or even just to be straightforward and to say, you know what, I noticed that this is a pattern and you know, I know that you're not ready to leave him. You don't want to leave him. So I would prefer if this is just something in our friendship, we don't talk about. Exactly. We can talk about work. We can talk about vacation, but I don't want to talk about this anymore. If you're not willing to change anything
0: do you feel like that might could that could that possibly cause more strain
2: do you what's think? wrong with setting boundaries i know it's true yeah. i know we have a, we have yeah. problems with yeah. that yeah it, it is it it is totally okay to set boundaries with your friends and mm-hmm. it is it is an effort to protect your digital energy energy mm-hmm. it's like i love you i want to save our friendship so in order for us to save our friendship i can't hear about this anymore
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: you know friends are allowed to set boundaries yeah. so that's the
1: strongest point
2: that's your strongest yeah. point boundaries. set a boundary Friends yeah. are allowed to set boundaries. And I do feel like that is how you protect your energy. And it's also teaching your friend that, you know, your time is important too. Your time is really important. Imagine spending, you know, what little free time you have with your friends and what you're talking about is relationship problems every single time.
0: I know, yeah. You we, could be
2: doing something else. Yeah, you have
0: those friends that you're just like, <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. another four hours listening to this story. Yeah. Like, yeah. the same thing. Yeah. But yeah. like, you know, but yeah, I, I think- that- Laura. <laughs> I mean, yeah,
1: but for, but honestly, like boundaries, I feel like it's such a new, like term boundaries that is coming yeah. into yeah. our generation. It's like, that wasn't given to me when I was 22 years old, like totally f- in this three way of like fucked up relationships with my friends and their boyfriends. It's like that. I feel like how is, how is that? Like, how do we give that to like the younger generation? You know, I feel like it's just so new use the the word boundaries. I don't know. Is that, is that just me or is like, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What advice do you have for setting those boundaries and for, you know, for making it palpable for other people around you for those boundaries?
2: So if we're talking, you know, in the same context of like setting boundaries with friends who are in toxic relationships, it's you want to identify what those boundaries are. Right. And then you just have to be okay with whatever consequences come from it. Just because somebody doesn't want to be your friend, just because somebody doesn't want to be your friend anymore because you said, I don't want to talk about your relationship anymore. It's draining you. Right. Mm -hmm. That's. um their response doesn't dictate if you should have set that boundary or not. Mm. That boundary should really come from what it is that you need. And there really is no other way to get good at setting boundaries other than to just to start practicing it. It's literally just, you just Mm got to do it, right? And it's always, yeah. And it's just always got to come from a place of love, right? You could say something to your friends like... You know, it's getting really hard for me to to hear about this all the time. I love you. We can talk about other stuff, but I don't want to talk about this. When you're ready to leave the relationship, I will be there for you. Mm-hmm. Or, or I recommend you should see a therapist, but this is really hard on, on the friendship to hear this all the time.
1: Yeah, Things like that. Yes. But
2: the boundary should always come from, you know a place of loving yourself a loving space Mm -hmm. a loving space yeah even loving even loving towards towards the friendship i'm sending this because i I want our friendship to keep going i don't want this to be something i don't want to i don't want to look at you or see you call and be like oh my god we're gonna talk about this again you know i'm doing this because i love our friendship leah amazing that was
1: amazing thank you (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah it's so yeah that's that's definitely one of the hard the, there's so many difficult things to mm-hmm. to work on within yourself yeah. and setting boundaries and losing expectations and all those things are you know important to do and that's what I like about uh, Leah's Instagram, which is what's your Instagram handle? Alyssa Marie Wellness. Alyssa Marie Wellness. Right now, you're posting a lot of just quote images. I just talk. Even I've seen a lot of about boundaries. Mm-hmm. That, maybe that's something that has just kind of stuck out to me. So I feel like for people that are looking for those kind of tips and all that kind of information, just helpful daily tips, like following you on Instagram is is will make a world of a difference on a daily basis.
2: Thank you. I, oftentimes, we do need those reminders.
1: Yes, and I love how you're tapping into like also men. About men suffering from depression and all these things, because men do really suffer from different experiences. Also, it's not just like around women getting inspired by your quotes.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Everybody, everybody is affected, you know, mm-hmm. by by relationships. Um, some people don't demonstrate it as much, but it doesn't mean that they're not affected.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit. Can you tell us before, before we wrap this episode up? Cause I'm sure maybe, you know, some, we might have some listeners that are interested in becoming licensed therapists themselves. Like, do you have any tips on how to go about that? I know you did a big jump this year. You started your own practice. Was that this year or no, last year,
2: 2019?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about your path. Um. So I became a ther I started graduate school in 2009 became a therapist in 2011 I actually started my private practice part time in 2016 oh, nice. but went 100% full time private practice in 2019 and you know my recommendation for anybody who wants to go into the field of therapy is you're you're constantly learning it doesn't matter how long you've been practicing for. Every single person that you meet is different than the person that you've met with before. Mm-hmm. So never stop learning. Never stop educating yourself. Never stop reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and never stop just being curious about the human experience. Yeah, that's great. How do you, how do you,
0: how do you what are some recommended things that, that expand like the, the learning path for, for future uh, therapists?
1: Like uh, maybe the platform
0: that you use for people to to learn is there any publications that you listen to or any podcasts or any audio things that like you that that help you
2: expand like your learning? One of my favorite podcasts right now in terms of like um, therapy is probably one by Esther Perel. She is pretty much like a famous um, psychotherapist and couples therapist. I really like her podcast when it comes to learning. I recommend that people attend conferences when they can, because when you attend conferences, you know, you're just, yeah, you're just being surrounded by various different types of psychotherapists who are trained and skilled in various different types of modalities. So it's nice to just kind of learn everything. I Mm -hmm. definitely recommend um, supervision. So having another therapist that you meet with every month to kind of go through, um, just some of the stuff that you're doing in your own work, it's always good to have somebody check in on your work and hold up blind spots to yourself. Nice. And then also recommended, you know, if this is possible or necessary, it's um, to to get your own therapy if you can so that you make sure that your own personal biases and um, your own self doesn't show up in, a, in the room in a way that it affects other people. Mm. And then always take care of yourself. Yeah. Always, you know, what? I, I don't recommend that clients do things that I've never done before. Right, so I don't tell people to journal and then I don't journal, or I don't tell people to meditate and then I don't meditate. Right, I think any anything that you are fully recommending, you know, you really want to be able to say that you've done those things too. Yeah. So I think you also have to work on yourself. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Mm -hmm. And how have you integrated your voice within, you know, the social sphere? Because now, you know, you're you're on Instagram and you you you're helping people using social media. How did you find that voice? And and how's it been?
2: That's a really good question. So you know, I'm, I think I'm still finding the voice. And I, you know, as as therapists, it's so different, because we are very much used to being behind the scenes, closed doors, you know, people, uh, for a long time, people didn't even talk about going to therapy. So kind of being outside of the room and then hearing, you know, a wide range of people hear your voice or see your face, it, it is very different. But I think, you know, one of the ways that helped me have a voice in this field is to also realize that. Therapy should be for everybody, and by my Instagram and the information that I put out there, it helps me ensure that for those people who don't have access to therapy for whatever reason, mm-hmm. they have access to this information. Yes, because I, I do believe everybody is uh, should have access to to information related to their mental health.
1: Mm-hmm. Mental health yeah, is great. everything. Mental health mm-hmm. is everything.
0: Yeah. yeah, you can't show up for the world and for yourself if you like yeah. if you're not right.
1: Leah, so what does a healthy,
2: loving relationship look? like? Look like? So, a healthy, loving relationship is really characteristic of something that we call interdependence. And an interdependent relationship is where there is a mutual reliance on each other. So, this means that you can rely on each other at the same time you are individual people outside of the relationship. In a healthy relationship, you feel safe, there's balance, so there are things that you enjoy doing together. And then there are things that you enjoy doing outside of the relationship too, right? So let's say I have my book club with my friends and my partner has um, the gym with their friends. It's, it's, it's things that you can do outside of the relationship that doesn't have, always have to involve being together. Um, and in healthy relationships too, you work to resolve conflict. Uh, there's There's communication, there's effective communication, there's accountability you know one thing i want to highlight is oftentimes when people think about toxic relationships or unhealthy relationships they think about like a lot of yelling a lot of fighting a lot of verbal abuse but sometimes a toxic relationship can be a relationship that is completely avoidant there's no talking about feeling yeah there's no talking about feelings there's avoiding feelings there's avoiding sharing that you're angry it's two people that are really just trying to keep the peace all of the time right so um so, so unhealthy relationships can look like that too. So, there can't be too much peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. sometimes sometimes people will come in and they'll say things like, "We never fight." Right. And then you dig a little bit deeper and you find out, "Oh, it's because you guys don't talk." Right. It's because you guys don't talk. So, I see
1: that. I mean, I was in a long relationship for like mm-hmm. pff, fuck 9 years and I see that at the end of the tail end of the relationship it was because we were kind of avoiding each other.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah, so Yeah. So a healthy relationship is functional, it's safe, it's nurturing and um you know there's there's a, like a feeling that you guys are growing. You guys are growing and that you guys are able to depend on each other. And that your your feelings also exist outside of the relationship, too. So your your feelings aren't just dependent on that person because you have things outside of the relationship that make you feel good about You're yourself. You're not right inside.
1: Yeah. And where do you see um, therapy going as far as, you know, since it's getting more into a larger platform and more
2: people are talking about it in in government and politics? Where do I see therapy going? I really just see the destigmatization of mental health. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that people can be able to talk about going to therapy in the same way that they talk about getting a physical, in the same way that they talk about going to the grocery store, or in the same way that they talk about going to the gym. I just really hope that it's more integrated and in regular life
0: mm-hmm. that's yeah. what will
2: help you know it's like yeah. d- really destigmatizing. Yeah. just telling just
0: literally yeah. talking about it would make the biggest difference yeah because
2: yeah. you know oftentimes people believe you have to be at rock bottom to go see a therapist but you don't yeah you really no. really don't
1: yeah definitely and that's
2: yeah it's almost like, I- like eating healthy every day, right? Yeah. It's like when you're
0: 50, you're like, ate like shit all those 50 years. Now it's like, it's going to be hard to try to recover. Yeah. But if you're always, you know, always consistently for 50 years trying to like keep yourself in check, like, you know, it's like you'll be healthy when you're 50 versus like trying to scramble once like your brain is not right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like even with this, how they say wellness is such a fad. I mean, as far as mental health, like let's have people talk about more. Let's have people like discuss about it. Tell their parents. Tell their friends. Talk about it on social media. I think it's, I think it's amazing. And the whole healing journey of like everything everyone on social media is i think it's just beautiful and it's unraveling night is is unraveling so so amazing you know
2: oh yeah i think so too and i like that you said healing journey because i think every day as human beings we're constantly healing i don't think there's ever a time where somebody can say like i'm healed yeah right it's it's a constant evolution of of working on yourself and and being conscious of just the ways in which you exist and show up in this world Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, it's a book that never, the story
0: never ends, so. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, well, thank you so much, Leah, for coming back to The Conscious Kitchen and chatting relationships and toxicity
2: and helping yourself.
0: You're welcome.
2: I'm really glad to be here, and I hope people were able to get a little bit something out of this.
0: Yes, and for all the daily reminders on things, follow, follow Alyssa, Alyssa Marie Wellness at Instagram. Yeah, and check
1: her out. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening and um, tune in next time for the next podcast.
0: Bye, guys. See ya.
1: Take care. (laughs) Bye.